Let's look to God's word. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. Verse 10, this is how it goes. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of Jordan towards the Zohar was well watered. Listen to this very carefully as we are going to slowly dive into this. Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of Jordan towards the Zohar was very well watered. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So Lot chose himself the entire plain of Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Three scriptures that I read uh, to all of us understanding here. Beautiful scripture from God's word this morning as we get the opportunity to meditate together on it. And as we dive into the scripture, we all know the background of the story from our Sunday school and Christian education classes that we've been part of, that Abraham and Lord are like cousins. They are best friends together, journeying together to the promised land. And on the way to the promised land, there's a lot of issues, family crisis, things that come up in between them. And uh, Abraham comes to the understanding, hey, you know what? Why don't we part our ways? You know, uh, God called me to go to a certain place and maybe uh, not every Everybody is meant to be part of the journey as you are. Are you with me, church? Not everybody is meant to be on the journey as you are. Maybe you got a vision to do something and because the vision was so wonderful, beautiful, great in the onset and as you communicated that to the people around you, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, you know what, pastor, you want to plant a church? I am coming with you. Pastor, you want to do that ministry? I am with you. Are you doing that business? I am with you. Maybe they will join in in the beginning of it but they are not meant to be part of it. And if they are not meant to be part of it, you will start seeing situations turn around. And it is better to leave them, not just taking them along. Because you will have a messed up life continuing the journey with people who are actually not called to do the things that God has called you to do. Are you with me, church? Lord and Abraham had to part the ways. Lot looked around and found that uh, the plain of Jordan was well watered, well watered. Today, I want to talk to my church about when you decide. That's the topic that I want to speak to my church about. When you decide. Decisions are so vital in everybody's life. Every single person on our planet Earth makes decisions. A child makes decisions decisions the moment it is born and and sees the world around every single one of us we make decisions you are only a person based out of your decisions you are a man or woman based out of your decisions your decisions are so vital for who you are right now and what god will make you tomorrow everything is based out of your decisions. This morning, we decided to come to God's house. This morning, we are all seated and placed in this place. Why? Because we are honoring God and we choose to decide that. Are you with me? Nobody forced us. But we chose to obey. We chose to worship. We chose to come here. We are choosing. And because we are choosing, you know what the word says? Everything is available to you. You choose life or death. It's up to our choice. 
And this morning, it's up to our choice. What are you going to do with the things around in your life? So decisions are made by every single one of us. Praise the Lord. Maybe you might be 50 years old and you are looking back 30 years ago and some of the poor decisions you have made. And I've heard a lot of conversations walking with people. You know what people say that, you know, pastor, I've made poor choices, poor decisions when I was in my 20s, when I was in my 30s. And I am reaping the harvest of the decisions I made when I was in my 20s. So brothers and sisters, you know, I, my message to everybody is when you make decisions in our life, in your life, in, for our family, listen to this. Your decisions are not just decisions for yourself, but it can impact the generations to come. Decisions are not just for, I'm thankful that my parents accepted the Lord as their personal Savior. And because of them, I am reaping the harvest of my parents' decisions. Are you with me, church? I had the opportunity to walk in the grace and favor of God because my parents had the opportunity to make a decision. And I'm sure in this room, we have everybody here, we are reaping the harvest of decisions made by our parents, our elderly people. Are you with me, church? Praise the Lord. Your decisions not just impact you, but generations to come. And I pray that the young families, the young adults, fathers, the older families, we will make decisions not just for us and our family, but the generations to come follow us. Lord and Abraham, they had a decision to make. And everything that you see in Abraham's life after that, the generations to come, was all blessed because of one decision he made. Hey, you know what? Maybe a lot is not meant to journey on with me. And maybe I need to part ways so that God can show me the place that I have to go. And I may not be able to enter with all the extra baggage that I have. I have to part ways. And as you look into this life here, making decisions, a lot of people come across and tell me, Pastor, I have a big decision to make. I have a big decision to make about a guy that I have been talking to, about a girl that I've been talking to. I, have a big, I know they are big decisions. They are big decisions when it comes to relationships, when you have to select and choose the, the partner for your life because you can't change after two years. Hey, you know what? I am done with this guy. I can't walk with him. With him. I'm done with this girl. I cannot do a relationship. Be meant to be with us together forever. No, I can't. Listen, big doors swing on little hinges. Big decisions or small decisions, everything matters because what you do right now impacts the biggest decisions that you're about to make. So even before you are in a relationship, even before you walk into a married relationship or seeing somebody, your decisions are mattered on the small decisions that you make. Maybe taking care of oneself. Praise the Lord. Or everybody wants to get married and take care of the other person. No, first you take care of yourself. Have a godly attitude. Have a godly character. Once you start taking care of yourself, you, you, you cultivate a, a, a habit, you, you, you set a foundation right for yourself. And when God brings you together with another person, what happens? Because of both of y'all's decision, our generation is blessed. Big doors swing on small hinges. Doesn't matter what big decisions we are taking if we have forfeited the smallest decision that we ought to take. What are the smallest things that you did today? Woke up to your alarm. Uh, some of us might be, oh, you know what? Daylight saving sister and God, I would just want to sleep some more time, one more hour. 50, I feel you. Extra caffeine today, I feel you. But the small decisions 
have impacted with the big decision that you get to make today. And that leads you to the next step. Life is progression. It is growth. But it all begins at the smallest step that you and me, God has allowed us to take. You make decisions. Listen, number two that I want to mention here. You make decisions based on the information provided to you. Is it not true? You make decisions based on the information provided to you. So I'm, I'm just going to ask you, if you make decisions based on the information provided to you, who are these resources or sources that are providing the information to you? I've come across a lot of people who marriages crumble, relationships break, friendships of 20, 30 years come crashing down. Why? Because somebody gave them a false information. Who is feeding onto you? Who is giving you this information? And we make lifelong decision based out of a momentarily feeling that has come through some random information, which may not be true, but I, you know, I have family members that don't talk to us uh, because we are in, in a, we go to church and all that. They are family members, like cousins, and they don't talk to us. And because information were given to them in a wrong way. I'm sure there are many people in this room who have experienced the same sort of relationship crisis because of information passed on all around, which is not right. We make decisions based on the information given. So what are the information provided to you? As we look into the story in Genesis chapter 13, verse, verse 10, Abraham got the information that now the workers, Abraham's workers, servants, and Lord's servants are all having a quarrel. They are fighting among each other. Well, he received the information, took it to the Lord, and made a decision. Hey, you know what? I think it is better that we part our ways right now. He took him to the mountain and showed him, hey, you know what, Lord, I want you to, I want you to look around. You go first and you choose whatever you want to choose. And I will take the rest, whatever is coming in the end. And Lord goes up and he says, this is how it goes, right? Jordan, the, he chose the whole plain of Jordan towards the Zor was well watered. Everybody wants to start a family where the situations are so nice, favorable and wonderful. Lord did the best thing. He looked around and he saw the land was well watered. You put a seed and it'll, you have the guarantee that it will grow. Any sort of uh, uh, agriculture that you want to do, it will flourish. Why? Because the land is well watered. There's no stopping to that. There's a continuity of blessings in this land. And when, when Lot looks to this land, he sees that this land is well watered. I like how the next portion of that scripture mentions like the garden of the Lord. It's like the garden of the Lord, but it is not the garden of the Lord. A lot of things in this world comes and looks so pleasing and wonderful. It looks like the garden of the Lord, but brothers and sisters, just because it looks like it, it may not be one of it. You know, when we see a lot of duplicates around, every original will have its own forfeited, duplicate of its own. 
When Lot looked around, he saw that this land, this garden was well watered. Everything is wonderful. And it also looked like the garden of the Lord, which is, in other words, it talks to us about the garden Eden. It looks beautiful, wonderful, flourishing in everything. The flora and fauna was beautiful in this land when he looked from the far above. When he goes closer, that's, this is how the Lord meant. It looks like the land of Egypt, a very fertile place. So Lot chose himself the entire plate of Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted ways. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents. Listen to this very carefully. Pitched his tents very close near Sodom. He pitched his tents very close near Sodom. Verse 13, now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Listen how the scripture unfolds here. Well, the land looked beautiful. It was well watered, like the Garden of the Eden, right? And everything was so good here. But now when he wanted to pitch his tents, Bible says he pitched his tents very close to the city of Sodom. A very wicked nation. He pitched his tents near Sodom. Pitching his tents meaning that he wanted to place that as his not a place of stay. He wanted to bring his family and grow and settle down in that place. And now he has pitched his tents closer to Sodom. Bible helps us to understand it's the most wicked place to be ever be. And I repeat the statement here. I wonder how many Christians, how many children of God, we are pitching our tents closer to Sodom. The decisions we make in our life can impact our life, and not just us, but the generations to come. Praise the Lord. Number one, he pitched his tents closer to Sodom, a wicked nation. Bible helps us to understand it was a nation filled with all kinds of wickedness. We talk about, a lot of people talk to us about how, you know what, the Western world, the American world is wicked nation, is wicked. Billy Graham said that if God, you know how God in the Bible, we, uh, we look into Sodom and Gomorrah, how God destroyed the city. Billy Graham in one of his statements, he said, if God did not destroy Vegas or America, you know, he would have go back in history and ask forgiveness to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. But as we look into this portion, it's a wicked nation. It's a wickedness. It's filled all over. And that's what, exactly what we see in our world today. But as a child of God, be very careful where you pitch your tent. As a child of God, it is up to us the decisions we make because there's a clean, straight line between worldliness and a Christian life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord chose what looked attractive and beautiful, what looked great for his family. But as you read the story next to it, you see that how of a big mess, Lot and his all girls, his family had to go through being in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord has to come through and Abraham had to come help him out, out of the city and God destroyed 
this city. We know the story. But brothers and sisters, today I'm just reminding my church the decisions we make in our life impacts not just us, but the generations to come. I'm repeating that statement again and again because I make sure that I'm trying to make sure that the families here, the young children here, the young adults here, we're making decisions in our life. What one decision can change our whole generation when you decide, make decisions, godly nature, in, in God's presence. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. It's a story of Daniel's life. I'm just bringing up two stories here. One was Abraham and Lot. Second is the life of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and had he, he asked the chief official's permission not to defile himself this way. It's a decision Daniel had to make as the chief, as the commander of the land, now he had the ability to ask for whatever, live the way in whatever way he wants, but he made a decision and he asked the leaders of the land to help him out with it. And he said he resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked the chief official's permission for the same. His decision to keep his purity in the land. You know, when... When, when Babylonians, when they took uh, 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 Daniel and all his people to the land as a captive, you know, a few things that they did was, number one, they changed their language. They changed the language. Two, they changed, tried to change their food habits. Three, they changed their name, the very identity of an individual. The very well-being of a person. Everything that Daniel was as a Jewish boy, grew up as a Jewish boy, everything that he was as a Jew was now changed by the king and his rulers. That's exactly what the enemy does to us when he takes our life as captive. He changes our identity. You are a son and daughter of the living God. And now when we come into the wicked ways and the Satan's glimpse of it, he puts his thoughts into our life. And what does he do, brothers and sisters? He takes us captive. What does he do with it? He changes our identity. You now no longer are a son and daughter to God, but you're slaves to sin. That's what he tries to do with it. He takes us captive and that's exactly what you see with Daniel here. You know, as he is taken as a captive to Babylonians and, and his name is changed, his, his cultural code and basic foundation of who Daniel was as a Jew is completely changed. Why? Because that's exactly what the demons in this world want to do with our life. They change our language. You don't, you, vulgar is okay now. Praise the Lord. Cussing is okay now. Any sort of uh, uh, walk in the worldliness is okay now. Why? Because the enemy is changing your language. The enemy is changing your appearance. The enemy is changing everything that you and me are as a child of God. He's changing you completely. And I pray that today in our generation, some Daniels will stand up to what is right and say, you know what? I now resolve to stay away from worldliness and worldly practices. 
I have a clear line of separation between what is worldly and what is of the Lord. I have a clear line of separation from what is in the world and what is Christ given to me as an inheritance of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I pray some Daniels will stand up with some bold decisions that will not only impact your life, brothers, but generations to come by. Daniel resolved to not to defile himself with food, culture, talks, behavior, character that the enemy nation wanted to forcefully put into his life. He will never bow down to another God because he worships the Lord God Almighty every single day. Daniel resolved not to bow down. Daniel resolved not to fall into the practices of the wicked people. In the book of Daniel, there's another story. Another story of three guys, Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. This is how it goes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve are able to deliver us and He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Listen to the bold statement based out of their decision that these Hebrew boys are talking to their king. They're not afraid of death here. They're not afraid of what's going to happen because one thing they know is that even if you put me in the fiery furnace, my God will come through and He will save me. My God will come through and He will protect me. He's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. He will come through and He will save me. But even if He does not, even if He does not, we will not serve your gold images. We will not serve the gods of the world. We will not serve the idols of pleasure in this world because even though my God does not come to save me, I am his son and daughter. I am the living one's anointed one. I will not serve what is offered in this world. Decisions that we make in our the decisions that we make in our life. Young children listening to me, have you made some decisions in your life? The greatest decision that anybody can make in their life, parents listening to me, the greatest decision that you can make in your life is not to just give good education to your children, but I pray that we will put Jesus in their hearts. Jesus in the hearts of our children. I think that's the greatest decision. I'm thankful for our Sunday school teachers, our Christian education teachers, leaders of this church. The greatest decision that we can make in our life is to teach our young ones, take this word. And this word will set your life on fire. This word will change life everywhere that you go. Young children listening to me, watching us online families, if you're with your children right now, give our children this word that does not change. 
for Daniel, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Jewish traditions that were taught to them. The value of the culture of God, practicing the presence of God, was so taught to them that no matter where you take them, they will never forget it. Praise the Lord. You can take them out of Israel, but you can't take the Israel out of their life. You can take them out of the Jewish land, but you can't take the Jewish culture out of their life. They will not defile just because you offer them a million dollars. They will not defile just because you give them the pleasures of a momentary life. A lot of us, we make decisions based off momentary feelings. Permanent decisions made off momentary feelings. Feelings are very essential. We are all, as a human being, we are feeling-driven people, but you got to gauge your decisions, your feelings. Is it something that is momentarily? How do we make decisions based on of our, in our life? There are four things that I want to mention today. Four things, listening to me, if you're writing it down, four things that I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to mention here is when you are making decisions, number one, the inspiration test. First thing is the inspiration test. What is it? How does it inspire you? Does this decision agree with the word? Does this feeling agree with the word? If you want to take scriptures for it, I'm going to read it now, but you can take the scriptures, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 15, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, and Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The inspiration test. How does this decision inspire you? What is the background of it? Is does this allow and align with the word of God that you have read and meditated? The inspiration test. Number two, the integrity test. Is this consistent with what I believe? Does it change over time? A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching about that we as a church, we believe that we are Holy Spirit led. Holy Spirit is not the spirit of confusion. It's not an instable feeling. The Holy Spirit will tell you something on Sunday morning and Monday morning you have changed your mind because the Holy Spirit said something else. And by the weekend, you've again changed the route completely. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came up again and said something else to you. Holy Spirit doesn't change. We change. Our feelings change because of momentary feelings and people surrounded in our life situations. And I pray that as we make decisions in our life, does this, uh, is this decision consistent with the Word of God? The integrity test. James chapter 4 verse 17. Let me just read. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do, he sins. We tend to think sin is as stealing, lying, committing adultery, etc. While these are indeed sins, it is also sin to know what you should do and then not do it. Praise the Lord. You see how James is uh, uh, mentioning this out loud for everybody 2,000 years ago. He wrote it down, but it shouts alive even today in our 21st century church. This morning as we meditate on God's word, things that you know what to do and you still don't do it, you're sinning brothers and sisters. We think of sin as, you know, stealing money and murdering and killing somebody and adulterous life. All those, they are sins. But if there are things that you know you should be doing, the decisions you should be doing, making in your life, which is primary and essential for your well-being and the generations to come, but if you know it and you still don't do it, you're still sinning. You're still sinning. 
the integrity test. Is this consistent with what I believe? Third thing, the impact test. These are decisions that we make in our life. The four things that I'm mentioning here. First was the inspiration. Second is the integrity test. Third is the impact test. How will my decision affect my brethren? In other words, how will my decisions impact the brothers and sisters around me? We live in a world which is very mono, uh, self-centered. We want to make decisions just for ourselves, which is great. Make wise decisions for yourself, your future, your life and everything. But listen, the impact decision, the impact test here. Will my decision affect my brethren? Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also the interest of others. Brothers and sisters, we've been making decisions just for ourselves. But it's time as a church will rise up to think that, hey, you know what? My decision should not only impact myself, but the generations, the brethren around me, the brothers and sisters around me, the fellowship that I'm part of, so that everybody will be a blessing for the body of Christ. And if a changed community like God's house to church continues to think that way, you know what? I would say that the nation will be blessed. The cities will be blessed. Because we are not only living for ourselves, but for the sake of everybody else. Because we love people around. We love God's people. A lot of people, you know, we go and we, if it is a Malayali, we go and love on the Malayali families. It's Tamil, we go and love on the Tamil families. If it's Indian families, we go love on the Indian families. We show our love around them. But God's children are of all colors. They talk all languages. They come from all different houses. They don't dress up like you, brothers and sisters. But there are many others who need the loving hand, the touch of heaven today and this week. I pray some of us will be bold enough to make some decisions. My decision will impact the brethren all around me. Not just the people seated inside, but there are many who are yet to hear the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I pray my decisions will impact their life. Make decisions that impact the life of everybody around us. Fourth thing that I want to mention here. Can I have the worship team behind you? The fourth thing that I mentioned here is the improvement test. Will my decision be beneficial? In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, it says, everything is permissible. We have heard that scripture, right? We read it. Everything is permissible. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible. Anything that you want to do, we can bring out arguments about it. And based on our decisions, we can bring out arguments about it. Hey, you know what? We can talk about, hey, you know, I want to do this. And you can bring out quotes and scriptures from God's word. And you can say, Pastor, the word supports it. Bible supports it. Why can't I do it? And we can have debates and arguments about the things. But hey, listen, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. The improvement test. Based out of the decisions we make today, do you see yourself stuck in the same place? Or after two years, you want to see yourself grow with the decisions you're based? And listen, the improvement test, I want to bring into the spiritual context of it. As, a God's, as God's children, financial blessings, business developments, and everything, God will prosper you. No doubt about it. God's blessing will be upon you. No doubt about it. 
But your spiritual thirst, it's your personal decision. Are you with me, church? The spiritual thirst and hunger that we have, it's our personal decision. Nobody else can help us. So what we do for us to grow spiritually is up to us and nobody else, is, nobody else can ever impact on that. It's up to us. The improvement test, what are you doing for your decisions for you to grow in Christ Jesus? Praise the Lord. Like I said, financial blessings and prosperity in your life, business developments and all other connections, God will bless you because He's our Father. He owns everything. He is the creator. God owns everything. He will bless you. Whatever need you have, God will bless you. And I believe that, brothers and sisters. But when it comes to our personal, spiritual growth in our life, it's up to us. The improvement test, the decisions that you take today, will it drive you away from the presence of God or will it bring you closer to God? Praise the Lord. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? The jobs that we take, it's good. We might get $10 extra, $20 extra, but does it take you out from the fellowship of Christ? I know it might be a little hard. Pastor, we live in America, don't you know? Oh, we all know. But ultimately, brothers and sisters, the most important thing is the improvement test based on your decisions for your personal spiritual life and nothing more than that. I'm not worried about the finances. God will bless you, my friend. God will honor your decision. One decision that you make today, heaven honors it. Heaven celebrates you. But what are you doing today to make a decision for your own spiritual life? The improvement test. I want to see myself grown from what I was when I started this year. How many of you are with me for that? As a Christian, I, I, what I started 10 years ago, I want to see a growth in my life. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be stuck as a Christian. I don't want to be stuck where I started as a, Christ, as a Christian. I don't want to be stuck and I don't want to remain where I was. I want to grow in my life. And I'm sure that everybody in this room, in our business, in our work, in every other place that you are engaged with, you want to see the growth in your life and you play your cards right. You do the right thing in your education. Why? Because you want to see the growth. But with your spiritual life, brothers and sisters, what are we doing? What are we doing? That's my message to my church today. Your decisions impact not just you, but the generations to come. And I pray parents in this room, children in this room, young adults in this room, we make decisions that impact not just us, but the generation around us so that we grow spiritually in Christ Jesus. What, what can I do, Pastor? Read the scripture. Spend time in God's presence. Praise the Lord. Simple things, small decisions. If Cardi B is on your playlist 247, you got to change it to something else. Small decisions. Small decisions that help you grow in Christ. Praise the Lord. Is it okay? I just want to talk to my church. Small decisions impact our life. What are you allowing to give you information? 
that will make you decide today. When we come to God's house, the pastor, the leader, the Sunday school teachers, Christian education, life group teachers, leaders, they all give us information. I pray that we will pay attention to the scriptures provided here. Ultimately, as a fellowship here, we want to see people coming closer to Jesus. That's all the reason why I chose and I said yes to serve God. I said yes to serve God in this body of Christ. That's the one reason why I'm believing that all of us are gathered in this room because we want to come closer to God. We want to come closer to God. Can we all stand up in God's house? Let's all stand up in God's house. Brothers and sisters, as we look to this, um, some of the things that I mentioned here might be a little hard, but if we have to practice, we have to practice this to have a change in our life. Listen, sometimes it so happens that you can't control all the events that happen to you. There are things that happen to us and we can't control it. It happens to us in ways that we believe, we practice, we know it all or know, but things happen to us. We can't control the events that happen to us, but you can decide to not be reduced by them. You can decide that not be affected by them. You can decide that there is a way across through the situation that I'm going through. Listen, you and only you are responsible for all the choices and decisions that you make. And today, you're one decision away from growing spiritually in Christ Jesus. You're one decision away to come closer to the saving grace of our Almighty Father. Every eye closed right now. Every eye closed. Let us look to the Lord and say, God, I may have made false decisions in my life and God is a God who can change things around. And some, maybe you are in your 40s and 50s and 60s and you're like, God, I made decisions in my life, decisions that poor decisions in my life and Lord, I am sorry and things that have impacted my life. Lord, I want you to change things around for me. Can I tell you something? God will come down and change the situations around. God will come down and change everything around the poor decisions that we have made in our life. He's a God who can change and turn the tables around. But today, this morning, we have to make a decision to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want you. Help me to grow in you. Help me to come closer to you. That's all I decide, Lord. I decide to open my hearts once again to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you will come through in my life, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will come through in my life. Every eye closed as we look to our Savior's face. Lord, I thank you.